0: The following podcast may contain strong language and adult themes, and is therefore entirely suitable for Danes of all ages. This is English for Danes. Daisy's blooming, sundress swaying in the breeze. Can't stop staring. You've put a spell on me. Sorry to interrupt. Hello, Danes. Welcome. Well, everyone's welcome, but if you're not Danish, you probably won't get too much out of this. It probably makes sense to give a little background first. I've been in Denmark for 18 years. When I arrived, I was shamefully ignorant of Denmark's number one status in what everything but through intense conditioning, I'm now a believer, a follower of the Danish way. I suppose my connection with Denmark started with Lego as a youngster. Back then, you could build a wall, and then another wall. Summer 2004, I'm looking for a new job in a new country. I've spent the last four years teaching in a fairly unremarkable city in Poland. When, in 2000, I first told my parents I was moving to Poland, my mum simply spluttered out, "Poland," and then her lips moved around, trying to find any words. Poor Poland seems to get this response a lot. We used to have a political cartoon on our fridge depicting a Polish rainbow, seven shades of grey. My French girlfriend at the time was just as thrilled by the prospect of Poland, and decided to stay in Portugal, where we'd spent the previous two years, but I wanted to head back north and a position in Poland was an upgrade, at least in theory. The Frenchie joined me one year later, but the idea of staying longer didn't appeal to her, and neither did I, so that was that. After two more years in Poland, I fancied a new challenge. Again, I was seduced by a job advertisement. Teaching English in Copenhagen for a non-profit language school. Hmm, Denmark, what's that all about? Well, Vikings, of course. A bunch of bearded rapists and murderers. Until I discovered in Denmark that they were just misunderstood migrant farmers with unresolved emotional issues. Football. Another, of course. Schmeichel, Laudrup, and the legendary Jan Molbu. The mighty Liverpool FC also had Carlsberg on their shirts. Lego, as mentioned, though I'm not sure I knew Lego was Danish. Danish bacon, that was clearly Danish. The Little Mermaid, yes, and, well, porn, apparently. Not much else. I'd certainly never heard of the world-famous Tivoli Gardens. Anyway, I met the new boss in a London hotel lobby, and liked what I heard. Very little of it turned out to be true, especially the non-profit illusion, but at that moment I was up for a new adventure. I'd never been to Scandinavia, and it was a bonus that I knew so little about where I was going. I'll do a year, then see what happens. I told the parents. Oh, that was more appealing. Denmark. Sounds nice. I also told my sort of girlfriend at the time. She then found a teaching job in southern Italy. And that was that. June 2005, and my first year in Denmark is over. It's been okay, but I'm not wowed by Denmark. But I've met someone, someone I really quite like. Someone different. I decide to return to Denmark after the summer, see what happens. 17 years later, we have two half British, half Danish teenagers, and Denmark is home. Before I explain what the hell this podcast is all about, apart from some random Brit sharing his not-so-interesting memoirs, I should introduce the different one. I pondered making her anonymous and giving her a name like Ib, but I don't want to underplay her part in all this, so the wife is Christine, or Christina, for Danes. One brief story. Soon after we got together, Christine asked me what I liked about her. I reeled off a list. You're funny, you're beautiful, you're quirky, you're empathic, you listen. Oh, the list went on. When I'd finally finished, I obviously asked her, and what appeals about me? I sat back, ready to very modestly dismiss the wave of compliments no doubt heading my way. Finally it came. I think it's because you speak such good English. That was it. That was the list. My most appealing feature, apparently my only appealing feature, was the ability to speak my mother tongue. Marvellous. So why this podcast? Many moons ago I wrote a book on Denmark and, because I teach English, it also pointed out where Danes struggle with English. Of course, you don't struggle much. Quite the opposite, in fact. Which is why I'm waffling on in English and not worrying too much about being understood. I assume if you can't understand me, you're no longer here. By anally recording every slip and error Danes made in class, I identified the most common, repeated problems. So half the book was my take on Denmark, and half was vaguely educational. Anyway, the publishers I sent it to thought the book was too massive, which was maybe a polite way of saying shit. And it was. Massive, that is. Fair enough. Since I lacked the time, money, and inclination to halve it in size, I shelved it. Soon after, the people of the UK forgot that they were allergic to reading subtitles and went totally nuts about the killing. And subsequently, born, the bridge, and all things Danish. Candles, knitted jumpers, scandy design, minimalism, everything. Hooger became the first foreign word most Brits could recognise in decades. I'd miss the boat. There are now plenty of books about Denmark and the Danes. I'll mention them at some point, and, through gritted teeth, even recommend the two I've read. In 2004, Denmark was a mystery to me. Now, tourists and those relocating to Denmark have so many more expectations. They'll imagine being welcomed at the airport by happy, enthusiastic, flag-waving immigration officers, handing them a free Welcome to Denmark knitted jumper, a box of candles, and an information leaflet on how to have a truly hoogly time. Or something like that. I haven't quite nailed my format, As it stands each time I'll pick a theme and make half-baked observations, I'll throw in a few likes about Denmark so you don't think I'm just a whinging git, and because I've been teaching Danish adults for so long I'll chuck in a couple of common Danish errors when you speak or write English, or just stuff worth remembering. So I'm babbling away in natural English, expecting you to understand, but including a section on correcting your errors. Yep, that makes sense. I've sent out two intro pods at once. Somewhere I read that a pod shouldn't be too long, and 10 minutes of me is enough for anyone. Let's have a couple of brief kickoff likes. Whenever they pop up, they're in no particular order. Some I like a little, some I like a lot. The first The sweet way Dan gets into everything. I go to a cafe, buy a Dansk van, with my Dan court then pop to the toilet to pee a uridan and dry my hands using the Dan dryer. Bless. And the other one. You're all off to vote on November 1st, so an election-like seems appropriate. I won't get into politics now and way too heavy for an intro pod. Instead, I'll focus on the two things that stand out for me at election time. The first is a race to get prime spots for the election posters on every available tree and lamppost. A mix of smiley, happy people, and you can trust me—I'm a serious politician. As the weeks pass, these smiley faces seem a little sadder. Graffiti, the wind, the rain—by election day, the posters are a tired mess, loosely hanging on, which is probably how the candidates feel by then. The second election, like, is the comic mass debate, mass debate, not masturbate. This is great fun not so much the words, but the spectacle. Fourteen parties now? Kicked out of one, no problem, star another. There's always room for one more. So there they all are, all lined up, all desperate to be heard on TV. One speaks, the other thirteen put up their hands. They've no idea what they want to say, but statistically they're unlikely to be chosen anyway, and appearances matter. The presenter has an impossible job, trying to make sure the big guns don't dominate, the irrelevant ones, hello Christians, get to say something forgettable, and Inga doesn't say mink more than 14 times. And here's your first educational bit. I'll name this section Worth Remembering, and I may even find a crap little jingle to introduce it. Why Worth Remembering? Because Danes always say it's worth to do, worth to see, worth to know. After worth, use the ing form. It's worth doing, worth seeing, worth knowing. If you have no connection with Denmark, how can your life possibly be worth living? There, not so painful. With these little error spots, I'm not going to go into great detail. It's simply a heads up. The other worth remembering for today concerns Dane's habit of telling me to fuck off on a daily basis well, not telling, but showing. And I'm dealing with this one now because A, it's important, and B, it explains the ridiculous image of chosen for the podcast icon. Yes, that's me, and you can see why Christine's list was short. Two, the number two. To indicate that you want two things, you need to change your ways, especially when in Britain. If you want one thing, You would typically show this by raising your index finger. I think you call it the pointing finger, the one by the thumb. You wouldn't, I hope, raise your middle finger instead. Logically, to indicate you want two things, you add your middle finger, making a V shape. This, to a Brit, has the same effects as just raising your middle finger. Fuck off. It's called the V sign, or the two fingers, or, if you move your hand up and down flicking the v's. You want two things? Turn your hand around. It's the peace sign, and next time you order two beers, you won't be met with a look of death from the British barman. There's a history to this, and as I love history, as everyone should, here it is. It's 1415, the Battle of Agincourt. The English forces are made up of scruffily dressed blokes with longbows, Think archery or Robin Hood. Across the battlefield are the French knights, splendidly dressed in the latest battle fashion, sitting on their horses all gorgeous and arrogant. But then the English start flicking the V's. The reason? When the French took the English as prisoners, they would cut off these two fingers so they couldn't use their longbows. This army still had their fingers, and they wanted to make this clear. The English One England's football fans have reenacted the Battle of Agincourt ever since. Two fingers to the foreigners as they invade their cities, sing abusive songs, and generally cause chaos. Makes you proud. Strangely, if a Brit swears unintentionally or inappropriately, they may say oh, pardon my French. No idea why. Disappointingly, I read recently that there's a far duller origin to the V sign, so dull like I can't remember it. But that's not important. What's important is, by remembering this, you're less likely to cause offence when you go on your annual Christmas shopping trip to London. And that'll do. Time for another random free tune.